You're listening to Homestead Family Podcast. Do you want us thinking about worry and anxiety is different? Because anxious people worry, but guess what? So do unanxious people. And people who don't worry can have anxiety. So this isn't something that, oh, just anxious people worry. No, I don't want you to think about that. I want you to think like um, anyone and everyone can and will worry. Hey, all right. Welcome to 2021. What a year, right? I, I saw already seen memes describing 2021 and we're well within just a couple of weeks. It's not even the middle of January yet. I think my favorite is that uh, the reality that 2021 sounded out is that 2021. I know, right? That's That might be just because I'm a dad and I love dad jokes. So that, that one caught me as particularly funny. But today, in this time, I'm trying a new format starting in 2021 for the podcast, where I'm just going to talk a little bit about some topics that might be helpful, uh, maybe a little shorter version of the podcast. I still have some interviews lined up. I'm actually super excited about that and some of the people and guests that we're going to have on the podcast in this new year. For today, I just want to take a moment and actually focus on something that's really important, uh, something that everyone deals with. I think something that uh, we're all experiencing right now in this season uh, more than we have in the past. And I want to talk a bit about worry. And as I was working through this, I actually titled this episode, Worry, Tomorrow's Favorite Emotion. You see, I want to talk about it because I'm getting a little ahead of myself in my notes. But you see, worry is focused in tomorrow. So let's talk worry. Right now, January 2021. And for the majority of 2020, the collective thought has felt like, let's just get to 2021. Well, now it's here. And honestly, not much has changed. It might even feel like, oh my gosh, this is worse. I didn't think 2020 could be any worse. Nothing could be worse than 2020. But here we are, 2021. We literally had like the capital stormed just madness. I'm not going to get in and talk about politics. I'm not talking left or right or any of that. But the reality is that 2021 has started just as bananas as 2020 finished. There's still a global pandemic in the middle. We're still trying to figure out how we live and do life, do work, do business, do family with the pandemic. Like I said, there's still political drama, civil unrest, still people treating other people unjustly. There's still financial trouble. There's still kids to raise, feed, and entertain. Can I get a witness, right? We have two small children that we love. Me and my wife have two kids, and we're actually expecting our third child in 2021. Um, yeah, little quarantine baby, but that's a whole nother conversation on why that's happening. If you have any questions, ask your parents. But seriously, who would not have a little worry right now? The reality is that who wouldn't worry right now, right? Who wouldn't have something to worry about in 2021? So what does worry look like? You may hear that term a lot. It's kind of a buzzword right now. Um, it is definitely connected a lot with anxiety in our world and our situation. Worry 
is a natural emotion, but let's define it, right? What does worry mean when I say we all are a little worried? We're all concerned, right? So here's a couple definitions for you. First, worry can be defined as a state of cognitive distress. Our minds, our brains are in distress. We are in crisis. We're like, what is going on? Everything's a mess. Our brains are a mess. Or cognitive distress or worry because of concern over an impending or expected occurrence, risk, or threat, right? We are in this situation right now. Anyone think of anything that might be coming up, an occurrence, risk, or threat that might happen? What about just simply not being able to pay your mortgage, right? That'd be a risk or an occurrence, something unexpected that could be coming up or expected, right? It's not unexpected. It's not a surprise, that that's something completely different. That's like panic, right? But the reality is, is that it's this thing that is we see coming. It's possible. That's the that's the scary thing about worry is that worry is something that is always possible. All right, next, so in, as we go through defining what worry is, it's the ability to torment oneself with or suffer from disturbing thought. Another great word is fret, to fret about something, right? To move with effort, to torment with cares, anxieties, etc., trouble, plague, a worried condition or feeling that is uneasiness or anxiety, a cause of uneasy, uneasiness or anxiety, it's trouble, right? Worry is trouble for sure. I think we can all agree about that. Now, you imagine in this definition, right, that worry is connected with anxiety. It's actually listed as a a defining word in what worry is. And they're very closely connected. Preparing for this podcast episode, I was reading on it and um, not everything you read on the internet is true, by the way. There is some truth on the internet, right? Uh, hopefully you found me through the internet or through uh, the podcast and hopefully I'm going to portray some truth, but not everything we get out there is true. So fact check it up, right? And I was reading uh, from the psychologist who's talking about the 10 differences between worry and anxiety. And he had a couple good points, but I didn't agree with everything that he was saying. I think they are um, much closer and connected than oftentimes given credit for. And there's a big word, comorbidity, comorbidity, or a comorbid, right? Often worry and anxiety are comorbid. This is what happens right here when you uh, go to school and you do college and then you read a lot, but you don't have to talk a lot, right? You read a lot of big words, medical words and textbooks, and then you have to pronounce them. Um, but that comorbidity between two things, right? The occurring at the same time, comorbidity, comorbid, happening at the same time. We can have worry and anxiety happening at the same time. Now, what, when I want us thinking, I do want us thinking about worry and anxiety is different because anxious people worry, but guess what? So do unanxious people and people who don't worry can have anxiety. So this isn't something that, oh, just anxious people worry. No, I don't want you to think about that. I want you to think like um, anyone and everyone can and will worry throughout their life. Here's what we need to look at. The big difference to note is that worry lives in our thoughts. It's in our mind while anxiety lives in your body and your emotions. Okay. The thing that they share is a location and time where they both primarily live in the future. Anxiety, like we will we'll feel anxious. We feel the 
um, butterflies in our stomach, the knots in our stomach, maybe your hands and palms get sweaty. Um, so many different physical symptoms that can distinguish that we are having a anxiety attack or feeling a heightened level anxiety. And that honestly, I don't think is all the time bad. There's a positive and needed reason for an anxiousness in our life. Let's think about this though. Have you ever worried about the past? Like, I'm not thinking like maybe worrying about something that happened in the past happening again, because then we're really just worrying about the future and having the same thing happen again. But honestly, are we worried and stuck on the past? And, and there's a whole nother train of thought that talks about our fears in the past and what that is. But where is this marker or like a signal that something could go wrong, right? And, and anxiety is the same. It's this physical, our body is telling us something through our physical receptors, through our interactions in our body, that something's not right. And that's important to pay attention to. So worry is a marker or a signal that something's wrong, okay? And we leverage our worry by identifying it, right? We identify our worry. What am I worrying about? And then containing it, right? We want to identify it and contain it. Give it parameters within healthy concern. I want you to be concerned about life. I want you to be concerned about your responsibilities, about the things you want to do, the things you enjoy to do, maybe that you haven't been able to do. Who's worried about um, not being able to do the things that you love? That's a real and important worry. And that is something to take note of and have concern for. Allow your concern to inform your planning, right? So I want you to think about that. Allow your concern to inform your planning. You know, this reminds me of an expression that I heard a lot while I was in the military. And it was, it was simply stated like this. Expect the best, plan for the worst. Think about that. Expect the best, plan for the worst. So I'm expecting that things are going to work out. But I'm also considering if things don't work out the way I want them to, what will happen? I'm thinking about what the worst case scenario would be and then what would I do in that situation? I'm actually processing through a little bit of concern and worry within a controlled environment before things happen so that I can feel prepared going into the situation. I want you to think about how you can do that in your life. And, and don't beat yourself up or feel down or like there's something wrong because you are experiencing worry. You see, we were created literally to experience it. Like there's no genetic defect that worriers have. No, it's not that unique. It is common between all of us. So allow yourself a little bit of grace in this moment where you're like, oh, I can worry. You can worry. There's actually an exercise that if you go and see a therapist, um, which I'd recommend that if you're struggling with any of this or you have um, uh, just struggle where, th where, where worry keeps you from being able to do the things you love that holds you back in life. Seek out some professional help, man. A, a great licensed counselor or a therapist is someone who can help you um, learn the skills and tools to better manage and cope with that worry and, and stress. But so we were created for it. And I want us to have that. And, and really, whatever we feel and are experiencing is there, just like I said, as a marker or signal for our life. So 
I want us to be able to embrace our emotions and our feelings and our thoughts, right? So we have that anxiety where it lives in our emotions and our feelings, our physical and our um, mental state, whereas worry lives in our thoughts and what we're thinking, what we're feeling. So I want us to think about how that happens and embrace those feelings and emotions, those thoughts that we have openly, honestly, and appropriately right? We're, we're open, acknowledging that we are feeling worry and labeling it as concern. Being honest with the thought that this is something that could happen. And then appropriately in creating a plan so that the worry and concern doesn't overwhelm you, but allows you to be informed and moving forward in an appropriate and secure way. One of the tricks that you can use is, is something that I use a lot in therapy sessions with people who deal with anxiety and worry. And it's called best case or worst case, best case, most likely scenario. It's, a, it's, it's out of the uh, CBT, which is a cognitive behavior therapy um, skill. And basically it talks about the reality that we're really good at the worst case scenario. We love catastrophizing. We could tell you 15 ways things could go sideways, right? And something bad could happen. But what happens is oftentimes we stop right there. We never consider what the best case scenario is or what the most likely scenario could be. So here's an example, right? Little little role play right now. Let's say maybe you, maybe not you. Let's say James, Right. We'll, we'll have this uh, guy named James and James is afraid that if he goes out and drives on the freeway, he's going to get a, in an automobile accident. Something horrible is going to happen. He's going to crash and get in this horrible accident. And maybe he dies. Maybe his family's with him and everyone will die. Maybe James is a little masochistic and he, he th- takes a route that uh, he gets in his car accident. And everyone in his family dies, but he survives. Man. I couldn't imagine being in that scenario. So James, anytime he has to go on a freeway, that's the thought in his mind. And he's just worrying and fretting and becoming overwhelmed and almost and literally paralyzed to the point where it feels like he just can't drive anymore. But then he just stops and he never does anything more with it. He just lives in this state of dread and, and worry. Part of the exercise would be then to consider what's the best case scenario. James gets on his car, takes a nice family trip takes his kids out in uh, the car and they don't fight in the car or scream. They go and get ice cream and everyone comes home safe and had a great time. That sounds pretty awesome. Who doesn't like ice cream? All right. What's the most likely scenario, right? Worst case scenario, catastrophe, right? Best case scenario, euphoria, most likely scenario, sweet and sour, right? (laughs) It's like Chinese food. Um, Most likely scenario. It is like Chinese food is delicious, and then you're two two hours later you're hungry again, right? That's just it. It's 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 really it's there's good and then there's bad. Most likely scenario: James goes out on a family trip, his kids fight and scream, they wind up not getting ice cream, but everyone comes home safe. There's like they did the trip, it was okay, everyone was safe, and then um, they came home. It wasn't perfect, but there were some ups and there were some downs. What do we do with that information now? How else do we process it? Maybe you're like, yeah, that's great. And, but I just can't get past the reality that this could happen. Like we could get in an accident. Accidents happen all the time. 
Maybe you need to look at the percentages. Maybe you're a little more rational with your worry. Yeah, you can be rational with worry. You can look at the numbers and it can make perfect sense to you. Let me ask you this. How many times have you made your worry prediction and it come true? Let's say James went on 100 family trips and got in one accident. No one died, nothing major, just got in one car accident. You know, the reality then of the chance of getting in another accident would be a 1% chance. Like it could feel like it's a 50%, a 99.9% chance that if he went out on the road, he would get an accident. It's happened before I know it could happen again. But the reality is it's just a 1% chance if one out of 100. Now, here's the thing. Um, on average, I drive to and from work six days a week. If I did just five days a week, that's 270 days out of the year. And the reality is, and that, that, then it's to and from work. So 270, 470, 540 times I'm driving. Boom, boom. Just one way. No other runs or trips. If I do that, that's 540 times in a year. And I can't tell you the last time I got an accident. It's been a few years. So like we're talking like a 0.001% chance that I'm going to get in another accident every time I go in my car. And honestly, I'm a decent driver. I know how to drive fairly well, but I'm not always the best at paying attention. Like I probably should have been in more accidents, to be honest, not making anyone in Pennsylvania feel safer on the roads right now, but we're just being honest, right? It's good to be honest on this. So think about is my worry likely to come true? What's the percentage my worry prediction could come true? This has done a lot with people who uh, have a fear of flying, right? People tell them all the time, well, it's safer. It's safer to fly than it is to drive. That's true. That is very true. And it can help some, a lot of people. It may make them a little more afraid of driving after that, but hey, that is for a different therapy session. Now, there are more steps to this process. I'm just giving you a little bit of overview on how you can like think about worry, have a little approach to it, and consider whether or not it'd be something that maybe you want help for. Some of the other steps are uh, learning how to prepare, right? Prepare for the worst. Expect the best, prepare, prepare for the worst. If the worst case scenario happened, or any variation of something in between, if something, basically look at it like this. If the worst case happened, what would you do to cope? Has anyone else ever dealt with this and got through it? What did they do to get through the worst case scenario? What would coping look like if the worst case scenario happened? Another, another step that happens is we weigh the cost versus the benefit of worry. On a side note, before we get into weighing the costs and the benefits, excessive worry really is a learned thought pattern. It's the movement from healthy concern to obsessive worry. And that is learned kids don't come out worried and obsessing over things going wrong. They learn that. They observe that from the environment, from the other people that they're watching and observing. So if you're worrying and obsessive on stuff, your kids more than likely will pick that up. And that's where you're seeing that develop. It's not just like innate. We just like some people are bigger worries than others. And the good news of uh, worry being something that we develop over time is that it's something that we can change through the work of changing our thoughts and our words and our processes, right? We can actually rewire our brains throughout our life by learning new habits, learning new skills, how we interact and how we think about things. Now, the last thing that you 
can do is give yourself permission to worry. Schedule a worry time. I, I loved uh, listening to Dr. Henry Cloud, and he talks about uh, worry and creating a list. And write out all your worries, all your concerns, everything, anything you're worried about. Just boom, spend five minutes writing it out. I'll make a list on a paper. All right, you got it? Great. Now crinkle it up and throw it away. Give yourself freedom. Create a space where you spend time creating a plan. Don't just worry. Become intentional on solving that problem, right? Your worry is basically saying, hey, there's a problem. And I don't know how I'm going to handle it or what's going to happen. And I feel unprepared. So let's block it out once a month. Block it out once a, a week if you need to, where you take five, 10 minutes, take an hour even if you need to, and, and begin to focus and give yourself permission to worry within the context of the worry time you've created. Schedule it out if you need to. Put it in your calendar. Boom. Thursday, 6 p.m., worry time. And then don't just sit there and fret and be like thinking of the worst case scenario and get yourself all worked up and then um, all, all frazzled and fretting and, you know, stomach in a knot and become, you know, basically boiling yourself into an anxiety attack over this worry. What I want you to do is consider what you're worried about and then think about how can I prepare for this? How can I answer the question that my mind is asking? What am I trying to solve? What am I trying to prevent? And then how can I be prepared to actually deal with the situation that's causing the worry in my life? So those are things that we continually need to ask in order to overcome a lot of our worries. There are some other questions that you might want to think about because a lot of the, our worry actually relies on ability to overcome worry. It really rides on our ability to see past the fear that is in front of us. So number one, ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Labeling the fear, worry, or concern can help put a cap on that thought or emotion. Think of it as the water level rising, right? And it just keeps getting higher and higher and higher. As soon as I label what it is and I identify the actual fear or concern when we're talking about worry that I'm having, I'm actually putting a stop, a cap on top of that worry. It's like um, if you get members in science, if you get a, a bowl and you start filling it up with water, it just keeps filling up and that overflows. If you put a hole in that bowl at a certain point, right? if you come in and you just put a hole like that, optical illusion, water will come up to the point of the hole and then begin to flow out of the hole and it caps how full that container gets. Think about identifying our worry as, as creating it um, and putting a cap or a lid so that it doesn't raise higher and cause more distress in our life simply by identifying it. So when we label that worry, it gives us a quote unquote face for the feeling. It becomes less ethereal, less magical, less mysterious, less you know, shadow in the darkness and more concrete. And when I have a concrete thing to face, I feel much more secure in figuring out a plan on how to address it. Second question that uh, can help us overcome our fears is, what am I looking forward to? Right? So this question is given the ability to see an alternate outcome. And by seeing that alternate outcome, you actually siphon the power of worry and place it into 
the positive alternative outcome. Think about that illustration, right? We have this jug that we're filling up and then you poke a hole through it. And what happens as you start to worry, it comes up, comes up, comes up and it hits. Then all of a sudden, all that thought and energy that you're having through your worry starts shooting out through the hole and it's capping it over here, but it's shooting out. And now if I think about what I'm looking forward to, what the alternate outcome could be, that thought process and that energy is actually pouring out into the second alternate outcome. The second containers be starting to fill up and I'm starting to have a positive outlook where I used to just have a negative worry output. Boom, capped, not going to go above then. All of a sudden I'm starting to fill up this other jug and it's rising. All of a sudden I have this higher positive outlook and outcome. It's, I, I begin to see that it's more likely or just as likely for something good or neutral to happen as much as there is something negative or catastrophic to happen. The, the last one that I want to leave you is, what do I enjoy now? Identify what you're currently enjoying. Think about it. Identify what you currently enjoy now and use that as something that grounds you. Pleasure, enjoyment, things that are good in our life. Identify something that you do that you enjoy and use that as a grounding activity. Because remember, worry lives in our undetermined future. The only thing concrete, the only thing for sure, the only thing I know is right now. So maybe it's exercise. Um, think about something that brings you into the moment, something that you enjoy, something that keeps you present, that you're focused on, that you're not thinking about something else. Use that. You're starting to worry. I'm going to take a break, take a Twix moment, right? Eat something, do a physical activity, call a friend, um, read a book, do something that brings you back to identifying the current moment. Because remember, our worry and our concern lives in the future. It's thinking about what if, what could happen. And we're missing the very things that are happening right now. All right. As we close, I just want to encourage you in the middle of whatever you're facing today, as you listen to this, I'm sure there's a concern sitting in the back of your mind. I, I may have actually uh, sparked that, right? And you started to get a little worked up with some worry. But I want you to think about this thought. Life has taught you by the simple virtue of living that you can handle hard things. Now, if you live in Pennsylvania or are interested in therapy and what it could do for you or your relationship, I want you to check out our website, Homestead Family Therapy. You can see uh, services I offer. I'm only working with people in Pennsylvania right now. Um, the way licensing and everything's set up, even with telehealth, you have to be in the same state and as a therapist and the client. So if you're interested in that, it'd be something that I'd love for you to check out. Or if you're outside of Pennsylvania and, and consider starting therapy and would like to look at therapy, I mean, a, the first place that pops up whenever you do a search for a therapist near me is Psychology Today. And it's a great uh, resource. It's a great directory. And it's the leading directory. Um, just about every therapist has a profile on there. Some other great ones are BetterHelp and or onlinecounseling.com. They have a great directory for counseling and for getting help and connecting with therapists in your area. You can actually like set parameters on what you're looking for, the type of therapist, their background, their approach, their religion, their specialties and focuses. So think about it and think, really consider how you would be able to reach out and get some support that you need.
I hope this episode was helpful as we talked about worry and defining what it is and what it can be. Remember that worry is thought and concern that just has ran a little out of control in our life. And then to overcome it, to deal with it, we want to make sure that we're not just sitting on the worst case scenario. We want to actually look at worst case, best case, most likely scenario and realize that, hey, worst case and best case are just as likely to happen. We're just as likely to have the worst thing we've ever thought of happening as we had the best thing we could think of happening. And then the most likely scenario is probably what's going to happen. Okay. Along with that, let's label our worry and concern. Let's identify what we're looking forward to and make note of what we enjoy now that can ground us in the present moment. Thanks, guys. I hope this and you enjoyed this. I look forward to doing more episodes here. If this is something that helped you, do me a favor and leave a like or review on your favorite podcast platform. And, and share this with a friend. Would you, would you help someone else? If you think this could help someone that you know, go ahead and share this podcast with them. I'd be so appreciative of that. And I'm so honored that you took the time to listen to this. I hope you have a great day moving forward. I just want to say a special thanks to Justin Collars and the Shed Production for the music intro. We absolutely love it. You know, as a reminder, podcasts... And pretty much any random information on the internet is not a replacement for professional care. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and thought-provoking information, combat the stigma associated with therapy, and help support you. The opinions and information given on this podcast is given with the understanding that the host and guests are not providing legal, clinical, or professional information. If you believe you may need support or care, you should seek it out from a professional near you.